I have a word in my spirit. It dropped in my heart last week when Brother Cook was here, and it is entitled, No More. Probably going to take a couple of weeks to minister it to you. Everyone say, No More. more. Now in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I believe this, that the greatest expression of love is giving. In verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I want you to pay particular attention to that phrase, not condemned. So if a person is condemned, then there's a measure then in their lives that they're not really believing about him. Amen. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11, it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, how many of you have done that? And believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if we want to get unto salvation, there is this two things that need to take place. A believing heart and a declaration of our confession of his lordship. Now notice with me. Verse 11, I want you to read it with me. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Shall not be ashamed. Now, if we are ashamed, there is evidently some degree in our lives that we're not believing on him. I just dropped by to tell you today that guilt and shame are absolutely contrary to God's will for our lives. In Romans the 8th chapter, notice with me in verse 1, Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now. Now what? No condemnation. To who? Now let's stop right there. If you're born again, you're in Christ. If you're born again, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says, if you are in Christ, there is now no more condemnation in your life. Amen. Amen. Notice with me. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, the thing that disqualifies us from walking free from condemnation is living a life according to the flesh. In other words, your flesh taking first place in your life rather than your spirit man, the real you, dominating your flesh. Paul talked to us about what to do with our flesh. Paul said this, but I, my spirit man, keeps under my body or my flesh and I bring this flesh into subjection to the greater one and the spirit of man who lives on the inside of me. And he says, if I don't do that, then I will be disqualified and I myself should be a castaway. 
See, it's important to know who you are in Christ, and then it's important for all of us to walk in the light of our redemption. Is that right? So walking in freedom from condemnation means living a spirit-filled life. Walking free from condemnation means walking in the light of God's Word and walking in the light of the revelation that you have and what you know is right to do. Amen. Those who are in right standing should live righteously. Amen. So sin then is violating the light. Righteousness is cooperating with the light you have received. And as long as you walk in the light, as He is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses you from all sin. Somebody says, well, Pastor Mark, that's great, but I sinned this morning on the way to church. Well, if you confess your sins, He is faithful. He's faithful to do what? To forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, that means there's now no more condemnation. If you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, that means there's no more guilt, there's no more shame, because Jesus is alive and well in your life. Amen. So notice verse 1 again. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, amen, but after the Spirit. Now keep that scripture up there. Notice with me, no. That word no in the Greek literally means not even one, none. Not even one or none. That's how much condemnation you and I are supposed to have. Not any, no more. Namas, no mas. If I could say it in German, I would. But the truth is, is not many of God's people are living in a zero condemnation zone. A lot of Christians walk in insecurity. They walk in shame. And instead of drawing near to God, they draw back in fear from God. That's what sin consciousness does. That's what guilt does. That's what condemnation does. But I hear the Lord saying, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now what does condemnation mean? Condemnation means to a judge against. Condemnation means to be judged guilty. A person that is under a cloud of condemnation has a guilty conscience. And if a person has a guilty conscience, then they have condemnation. I got a question for you. How much condemnation are we supposed to have? None. None. Not even one. Not even one moment. Not even one day of insecurity and condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Now a huge key in getting free and staying free from condemnation is faith in the blood of the Lamb. Have you got faith in the blood? Oh, glory to God. You see, the blood of bulls and goats could only cover their sin in the Old Covenant. 
The blood of bulls and goats could not take away a guilty conscience. It could not cleanse the conscience. It's something that they had to do every year. They had to go up to Jerusalem and offer the sacrifice. Because in their mind, there was a remembrance of sin. Because the blood of bulls and goats couldn't remove sin, it could only cover sin. So under the law, they had to come back every year and make a sacrifice for sin. Now notice in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, in verses 2 through 4. It says, For then they would have not ceased to be offered, because the worshipers, once purged, should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. So when there is this remembrance of sin, how many of you know the devil is a historian? And he will attempt to show you pictures of your past. So he says, how do you know that? Because he's done it with me. But every time he shows me a picture of the past, I say, Mr. Devil, I don't know what you're talking about. That man that you're showing me died. I am dead with Christ and alive unto God. Hallelujah. Like Brenda said in the early service, when the devil reminds you of your past, simply remind him of his past and let him know that his future doesn't look so bright either. Hallelujah. So they remembered the sin. But in the new covenant, we're not in the old covenant. You and I are under the new blood covenant. Say with me, I'm under the new blood covenant. In the new covenant, there is no longer a remembrance of sins. Because here's what he's saying to us today. In Hebrews 10, 17, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Everyone say, no more. Condemnation. Because he remembers my sins. No more. Everyone shout, no more. No more condemnation. I love it, don't you? No more. So the only solution then for a guilty conscience is the blood of Jesus. Again, I want to look at verse 17 through 19 of that same chapter of Hebrews 10. He says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now therefore, where there is rem- now where there is remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. No condemnation, no remembrance of our sin, and no more offering for your sin. Your sin has been done in by Christ. Come on, somebody. Say with me, my sin has been done in by Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he obtained an eternal redemption for you and I once and for all. He doesn't have to go back to the cross. He doesn't have to go into the pit. He doesn't have to be raised again from the dead. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive forevermore. Your sin has been done in. Hallelujah. Mm. Do you like that? Now what does that mean? That means that we don't have to drag ourselves through life moping around trying to fix ourselves in our own strength. 
I could not, I'll guarantee you, back in the 70s, I could not be fixed by psychoanalysis. I could not be fixed by group therapy. I could not be uh, fixed by psychiatry. The only thing that would fix me from fixing myself was the shed blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary. That's right. Hallelujah. That is the great fix from the Most High God who delivered. Now, thank God for these other things. They can, can be a concomitant. They can help. But I tell you, in the final analysis, it's because of the blood of Jesus that we live and we move and we have our being. Amen. The blood alone is more than enough. How many of you know that penance is not in the Bible? It just isn't. As a little boy, I would go into that scary this confession box. My knees were knocking. I was scared to death. I looked around and there were saints up there on the wall looking very pious at me. And I thought, oh, do I have to go in there and confess my sins? So I'd go in there and confess my sins and it seemed like the confessional would just kind of... Had a mad Irish priest in there. Now thank God for the Irish priest, but I know another priest. He is the high priest of our confession. Amen who is faithful to watch over his word, to perform it on our behalf. You can't fix yourself. You cannot fix yourself. Stop trying to do it. In Christ, you are complete. In Christ, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. In Christ, you are his workmanship. In Christ, he is more than enough for you. Oh, I love it, don't you? Now notice in verse 19. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. When you know that your sin is gone, you can be confident, you can be bold, you can be fully assured that in life you don't have to walk around with your head down. You don't have to walk around feeling badly about yourself. Why? Because there's no more condemnation. There's no more offering for sin. And there's no more remembrance of our sin. So what does that mean? That means when the enemy comes to tempt us with thoughts about our past, we just need to shut our mouths and not talk about what we used to be and what we used to do. Life does not consist of what we used to be. Life consists of who we are now in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So in verse 22, notice this. Let us draw near, that, doesn't, that means not draw back, with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil con- conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This says to us today that we're cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from a guilty conscience. Somebody says, well, but Pastor Mark, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. Yes, and you don't know the power of the blood. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, there is not one thing in me that the blood of Jesus did not cleanse. He went on to say, the Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. Now, your own spirit will convict you. 
But the Holy Spirit will never bring condemnation. Smith went on to say, He always reveals the blood of Christ. He is the lifter and He is the lifting power of the church. Aren't you glad that love has lifted you? Now go to Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 29. Romans 8 29 says this, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus is our elder brother. He was the firstborn. Your number and my number is in there somewhere. Verse 30, Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. Recently we did a message called, The Callings of God Are Calling. So number one, He called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And He placed on the inside of us giftings and talents. And He called us to be servants of the Most High God. He called us, and it goes on to say, To those He called, them He also justified, or declared righteous. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. So number one, we've been called. Number two, we've been justified. And number three, we've been glorified. Amen. Christ in you, the hope of glory. God has placed His glory on the inside of you. Now notice in verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? What are we going to say? Well, if God be for us, who can be against us? Since God is for you. What difference does it make what comes against you? Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? How many of you know certainly he'll give you a house? Certainly he'll give you a car. Certainly he'll give us a new sign. I said certainly he'll give us a new sign. Certainly He'll give us a new projector. Certainly He'll give us new screens. Amen. Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? We are God's elect. Who is it that shall try to lay a charge against us? It is God that justifies. In other words, God is the justifier. You see, there was a great exchange that took place. He, God, made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Mark Hankins says it this way, Jesus took your sinful condition so you could receive His righteous condition. And this righteousness is not something that you attain by good works. This right standing with God, this justification is a free gift. And Romans says, all you've got to do is receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, and you will begin to reign in life through Jesus Christ. Now, in the context of that statement, what are we reigning over today? We're reigning over guilt. We're reigning over condemnation. In other words, instead of of us hindering us, we're walking on top of guilt. Say it with me, there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, it's important then that we all have our hearts established in this truth of right standing with God. 
Let me just read to you what Holman says. He says, And you will be established on the foundation of righteousness. You will be far from oppression. In other words, when you know that you have right standing with God, oppression cannot penetrate your soul. Amen. Because if righteousness gives you the ability to stand in the presence of God, certainly righteousness will give you the ability to stand in the presence of your enemies and put them on the run in the name of Jesus. Amen. Some of you will get that about 3 o'clock this morning. And you'll be established on a foundation of righteousness. You will be far from oppression. That's a good thing. Anybody ever been oppressed before? It's not fun, is it? Maybe you're oppressed today. By the time you leave today, I believe that that oppression is going to be lifted. As a matter of fact, it's already begun. What is happening in this room today, through the anointed word, it's lifting people out of depression, lifting people out of insecurity, lifting people out of shame. Amen. You know what this room is? This room is a no shame zone. This room is a no condemnation zone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You will be established on a foundation of righteousness and you will be far from oppression for you certainly will not be afraid. Amen. No fear here. No fear in the life of a person that knows how to draw near to the throne of grace. You will certainly not be afraid. Now notice this. You will not only be far from oppression, but you will be far from terror. It will certainly not come near you. Hallelujah. That means we don't have to be afraid of terrorist attacks. We don't have to be afraid of home invasions. We don't have to be afraid of identity theft. You know, the other day, I got a call from LifeLock saying, did you try to open up an account at Staples? No, I didn't. Well, someone stole my identity. I just want you to know I am the real Mark Thomas. And I'm already standing up. Someone tried to fool with a Lowe's account. Someone tried to do this, do that. I found out that they have my social security number. They have my name. They have my address. They have my phone number. They don't have my email. But I've got walls around it. We established a fraud alert on all of the credit bureaus. I'm going to tell you, no weapon formed against Mark Francis Thomas is going to prosper in the name of Jesus. And they may have thought they stole my identity, but no one can steal my true identity because I know who I am and whose I am and whose I am and who I am will overcome natural identity theft. Amen. Did you know that there are people out there that's all they do for a living? They want to get your information. There's been so many breaches on so many hacks on so many institutions. And and, uh, I'm telling you what, I refuse to be afraid of that. I refuse to be afraid of some Russian trying to open up an account in in and out Burger. Amen. Just raise your hands and say, thank God, my pastor is free. My pastor is far from oppression. And then say it while you're at it. No identity theft here. 
in my life, in my pastor, in the name of Jesus. You don't have to be afraid. I'm not afraid of that mess. Now, I've got natural walls up. I've got all sorts of natural walls up. They can't penetrate even if they tried real, real hard. But more than that, I've got spiritual walls up. What are those spiritual walls? Those spiritual walls are this. No evil shall befall me. Neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Don't answer phone numbers on your telephone that you don't recognize. You've probably gotten the same message that I have. Someone speaking in Chinese for 30 seconds. What? And then here's another one. This is the social security system. Bang! Don't answer those. Do not be intimidated by people out there with ulterior motives. Say it with me, greater, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Somebody says, Pastor, you going bankrupt? Are you kidding me? Amen. Hallelujah. I'll never go bankrupt. Amen. As long as I'm hooked up to the bank of heaven and I know that he liberally supplies my every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, it is well. Somebody says, why did you share all that? Because I wanted to. That might help you. Romans 8 verse 34. Romans 8 34 says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ, yea, rather that is risen again. Does he condemn us? No. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Think about it. Not only is there no condemnation, not only is there no more remembrance of sins, not only is there no more offering for sin, he's also at the right hand of the Father praying for you and praying for me right now. Somebody says, I don't need prayer, Pastor. I'm good. No, you're not good. So what he's elaborating on, he's elaborating on God being for us. He took your place. You do not have to live a single day in shame. The accuser of the brethren has been brought down. Don't listen to him. Don't think about what used to be. Don't be worried about tomorrow. The enemy will just stand right by you, hammering you all day. And if you listen to him and think his thoughts and speak his thoughts, he'll say, well, let's do a rerun on that. Let's back that up. Or here's a bigger hammer. You need something bigger than the hammer you got. No, he is there to destroy our confidence. Condemnation is the confidence killer. He wants us to feel guilty so that we become inoperative in our faith walk. See, face the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is what, re, what, what receives the grace of God, that what's he's made him available. Faith in the power of God releases the anointing, folks. And it's the anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes. That's why he came after Jesus so hard for 40 days and 40 nights. He never wanted him to stand up in the synagogue and say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So he tried to stop him at his weakest point. Why? Because he's afraid of the anointing. 
Somebody said, well, that was Jesus. Well, friends, you are in him and he is in you. And the same anointing that was upon him is upon you and it is in you. He's absolutely afraid of you finding out who you are in Christ. He's afraid of you walking by faith and not by sight. Because faith releases the anointing. Somebody say amen. Amen. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? How about tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril or sword? Verse 36. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But nay... In all these things, say it like you mean it. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Woo! And then Paul gets even bolder. He says, I'm persuaded. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The other day, I was out in the parking lot helping Brother Tony Cook with something with his car. And... uh, I said, Tony, you know, Sunday morning, I'm going to preach a message called No More. And I said, the scripture that I have is no more condemnation. And then he said, let me add something to that. He said, how about this? Because of the life of Christ, let's bring that verse back up there. Because of the life of Christ, there is now no more separation. What does that mean? Because there's no condemnation. And because he loves you so much that there's absolutely no more separation between you and him. I don't know if that got, gets you like it got me. Woo, nothing's going to separate me. Nothing's going to separate you. Nothing's going to cut you off. Everyone shout, no more separation. Hallelujah. How many of you got just a couple more moments? I also submitted this to to Brother Cook. Brother Cook is a theologian. And he has a doctorate from Liberty University in church history and and some other areas. He's a very sharp cookie. And so I ran this verse by him because I wanted to, to preach it. But I want to make sure that what I was preaching just didn't tickle people's ears and made them feel good. I wanted to make sure it was scriptural. You know, if you're going to share scripture, you might as well be scriptural. And it's possible to share scripture and not be scriptural about the scripture you're sharing. Don't ask me to say that again. That's why he said, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, doing what? Rightly dividing the word of truth. If there's a way to rightly divide the word, there's a way to wrongly divide the word. See, it's possible to take scriptures out of context and preach them from our perspective rather than preaching it from his perspective. So I shared this with him. I sent it to him. 
the other day, and he said, it's good, share it. So, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 and 2. Say it with me, no more condemnation. No more separation. No more remembrance of sins. In Isaiah 40, verse 1 and 2, it says, Comfort my people, says the Lord your God. Next part. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is accomplished and that her iniquity is pardoned or that her sin is forgiven. Now, I want you to pay particular attention to the last part. Read it with me. For she has received of the Lord's hand double. What does that mean? And I read. This scripture is based on the custom of posting debts written on parchment on the doorpost of a home in hopes that a rich man would pay them all and fold the paper over double. This would indicate that all of the debts were paid. And it goes on to say, folding over the paper meant that the shame and humiliation of having debts was not visible anymore. You shall have double. This indicated that the poor man no longer owed anything. Now, go over to Colossians 2.14. Colossians 2.14. Let's bring this over into the New Testament. For their sins, they shall have double. It's folded over. It's no longer visible. In Colossians 2.14, it says, Blotting out, speaking of Jesus, the handwriting or the debt of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And what did he do? He took it out of the way. Now listen to this statement. Compared to the wealthy man who hid the debts of the poor man by folding over the paper, Jesus came along and actually erased our debts completely. And then one more scripture and we're done. Then Brenda's going to come and, and uh, we're going to receive communion. Look at Isaiah 61, verse 7. Hallelujah! I said, hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory, to God. Glory to God. Notice this. For your shame, you will have double. And for your confusion, they will rejoice in their portion. They will have double in their land. They will have everlasting joy. What is this saying, Pastor? That is saying this. We are no longer in debt from sin. Jesus has given us a double portion, not only of forgiveness, but He's given us a double portion of the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, my brothers and sisters, get this. When you know that there's no more condemnation, when you know that there's no more hallelujah offering for sin, no more remembrance of sin, no more separation from the love of God, you're going to have some joy in your life. You're going to have some joy in your life. You're going to have some spring in your step. Hallelujah. You're going to have double joy. Who would like to rejoice with me right now? 
Come on. Let's give the Lord about 25 seconds of high praise right now. Come on. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah.